This is the Serial at Midnight Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Serial at Midnight Podcast. My name is Heath Holland, and this episode I'm talking to Jesse Nelson, the co-founder of DiabolicDVD.com, of Cauldron Films, and a programmer for Exume Films, which you can catch at the Mahoning Drive-In, who I've talked to the guys from Mahoning right here. Uh, Jesse Nelson is at the center of so much of the cult movie scene, both from a retail perspective because of Diabolic DVD and because of uh, his involvement with Cauldron Films where they're actually licensing movies, doing the restoration work, and then releasing them on Blu-ray and 4K, commissioning new extras, uh, artwork, commentaries, all these things. Uh, Listen, you want a cult movie, you go to DiabolicDVD.com. I think they have become the number one brand, the the number one retailer, the most recognized name in the cult movie scene. Uh, You want cult movies from any American boutique, they've they've got it. But also, he's importing things from other countries. So, imprint. You know, he stocks imprint. He stocks uh, indicator titles. He imports things from Italy, from... Asia. I mean, this is really DiabolicDVD.com has been the the hub of cult movies uh, from a retailer perspective for you know for for decades now. And one of the th- that's what puts him in the position for me to want to talk to him so much because he's got so much knowledge from different perspectives. So we can talk about the retail side of it, but we can also talk about the label side of things like. How expensive is it to do a 4K? You know, we talk so much about like, well, why no 4K? I've relayed this information as much as possible. Let's talk to Jesse Nelson about this because he's done a 4K. Uh, What is the collecting scene looking like right now? Are things on the rise? You know, every day, I can't even say this with a straight face. Every day somebody says, physical media is dying. Uh, Well, no, it's not. And here's why. We're going to talk to Jesse Nelson about that. Uh, We're living in a moment, guys, and Jesse Nelson perhaps has the best seats of all of us because he's right there on the front row, and he's he's at the crossroads, right? He's got the retailer and the label crossroads. And then also being so involved with, uh, you know, repertory screenings and marathons and like showing these things to live audiences. It's incredible. So uh, without further ado, Jesse Nelson. How do you, so, okay, let's, I'm going to go back to the beginning. I know you've done a lot of these interviews. I want to thank you for doing this one because it's great to, like, we, we've interacted on social media and stuff, but we've never actually talked like this before. That's so, true. Yeah, a ton, but it's nice to meet you finally. It's nice to meet you too. And I have a lot of respect for you. And I have a lot of like, you have built something that you're like diabolic DVD, by the way, I should tell you, I used to think that it was D now I can't even think of how I used to (laughs) it's probably Diabolique. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For years I thought it was Diabolique because of the spelling. And I was like, I don't, that's not right. And then I was really embarrassed about it, but you've built something like the Diabolic DVD uh, name recognition is pretty much at the front of the cult collecting community of like that physical media retailer boutique scene. That's huge. So first of all, congratulations on that. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. We've, we've been around for a long time, over 20 years now. So it's, how, it's been a lot. How did I know you like, I don't want to, I don't want to take you down like everything you've talked about so many times before, but I know you started basically showing movies for people that you knew, like showing movies locally. And then it kind of grew out of that, but could you just kind of walk me through that again? Yeah. So Exum Films is, it, it's a group. There was four of us. Um, 
at one point, and there's three of us now. And, and um, what we basically did was we rented out a, a local movie theater, a, a mom and pop organization that wasn't doing anything after 10 o'clock. And we came in there and we rented movies and showed them. People came, you know, pretty much a surprise to us all how many people started showing up. And I started bringing things to sell. Um, mostly it was around the same time that a lot of video stores were closing or clearing out old inventory. And I would scour flea markets and video stores and buy big box, v big box VHS and, and other horror things and weird things that I knew were rare. And that all morphed into Diabolic. What 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 like what what year are we talking about? It was around two thousand, right? Around it was, was ninety eight was when we started with Exhumed. So DVD was just taking off around that time. We were did right, yeah, yeah. We were right at the beginning of that. Did you see where it was going? Like, were you predicting this is the future? These little shiny discs discs are going to be huge. No, I mean, I, I was a laser disc collector, so. You know, I thought those big shiny discs were going to be the future. It was, I I still kind of remember the first time I watched something on, um, on DVD, and I was like, "Oh, oh wow, this is a big difference." Yeah, this is something. So, you know, I I really thought that that jump from VHS to DVD, or if you want to throw Laserdisc in, in between those, but, you know, DVD was a, was a major milestone. And it, it opened up a lot, you know, it, yeah. but I don't think anything opened up like it is now. You know, there was An Anchor Bay was probably the godfather and, and let's not forget forget Elite as well. Uh, you know Don May that yeah. that runs Synapse yeah. now started the Elite, um, releasing those kind of boutique laser discs. So between the two of them, that's I kind of feel that that we wouldn't have what we have today without those guys. Yeah, without well without said. Elite and without Anchor Bay. Yeah one of the things that they did that I love so much is like, there have been commentaries and things on laser discs, but I know like Bill Lustig and, and that whole anchor Bay scene, it was like these special edition uh, releases that had so much stuff on them. And it really felt like getting to spend time with the filmmaker and with the people that made the thing. And it felt, it, it brought that sense of like community. Like you were involved in it. You got to be a part of it, even though you actually didn't, but it felt like you were inside of it. And, you know, here we are all these years later. This is one of the things I want to talk to you about. We are, you know, 25 years after that, and we have everything. Like, we are so catered to. But I just, like, there's a few different things I want to ask you about. Like, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, but what the, the, the direction the collector community has taken, like where we've gone, um, have you ever seen going going back to the dvd days those heady huge days of dvd i'm gonna say like what, what did it peak around 2006 i guess yeah probably um, have like the blu-ray market now how do you think those compare like i feel like it's even more now than it was in 2006 it's just a different model it's more limited editions it's more collector's editions and things like that 
Yeah, it completely. And, you know, not only that, but really the, the scope of things that are available is, it's just incredible what we have. And I'm not saying that everything is amazing. I mean, you can put a turd on a Blu-ray and it's still a turd, but it's still nice to have that turd available on a Blu-ray. I'm not going to argue with that ever. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we we have th- – this is kind of an unprecedented era in in home video. I mean, even, even back in the VHS days, which I remember well, I worked in a video store for 10 years – even then, we just some of these things have been never even on VHS in this country. It's yeah. it's just incredible. Do you think it can last? I guess that's one of my questions. Like you're at the retail. Well, you're you're not just retail because you started a label. You were like, let's get hands on with this stuff. Where like where are we going with this stuff? Do you think that there's longevity here? You, because you know, I mean, you see the same. We're on so, the same social media platforms every day. Somebody's like, yeah. it's dying. Like. What do you, what's your take on this? You know, <clears throat> we've been doing this over 20 years and I have heard that it's dying every year for yeah. 20 years. And, you know, I didn't, for the longest time, I was afraid to put both feet into it. I was afraid that this was going to be the end every year. And it just keeps it just keeps going and keeps getting bigger. Now, are we going to run out of the movies at some point? I I don't see how. And there's so much. There's so much that that still isn't even out there. We we signed a deal the other day for something that I had never even heard of. I couldn't even find a bootleg of it on the internet. And the licensor sent me a copy of it. And I was like where has this been all these years? So, you know, when, is, I, oh, when can we find out what that is? I know you can't <laughs> it right now, but when will we know? We literally just signed this. So it, it's going to be a little bit okay. before we announce that thing, but it's, it's an oddball one for sure. You know, gotcha. I, I also think that, you know, maybe five years ago, someone would look at that thing and say, no one wants that. No one's going to put that out. But then I look at that and say, you know, this has some appeal. Mm-hmm. It's it's so odd. People are are clamoring for things that they've never seen, and and that has merit. You know, there's there's things they've never seen, and there's a reason why no one's ever seen them. But then there's things that have just kind of fallen into obscurity. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's there's things here in America that I feel like we kind of missed out on, like what's happening right now with martial arts movies from all these labels, right? All these Asian films and even Asian horror, you know? Uh, yeah. Oh, there's they, so much. I've never heard of a lot of this. Now, that doesn't necessarily – because a lot of this stuff is regional. Like if your store carried it, my Blockbuster killed my mom and pop. And they didn't have a lot of the fringier stuff like a lot of the cult stuff. They had martial arts movies. But there's so many things that are coming out like every month now. There's like five to ten, if not more than that. I've it's seen crazy. you know seen almost none of them, heard of even less of them. You know, it's like yeah, uh, this this window is open right now with Fortune Star and with all these uh, with these companies. I'm like, what is this? And so 
it's this flood. I say we're being fire hosed with it because that's what it feels like. But I'm not complaining because it's awesome. Like we're living in an era right now where it's just like, hey, you guys want this? Here you go. In fact, here's 10 more of that. You want more? Here's 20 more. It's just, it just keeps coming, you know? Yeah. You know, I can comment on two things about this. One is that that Diabolic DVD started almost solely as importing things from Hong Kong and Japan. So a lot of these things are things that we carried back on DVD back in the day that no one had heard of then. And then they kind of fell back into obscurity. And now people are, you know, discovering them again. So is it my imagination that a lot of this stuff never had domestic? I mean, I knew you were importing it, but so it didn't have domestic U.S. Uh, distribution, no, there was right? only really on VHS. Okay. And, you know, I'm lucky that I live five minutes from Philadelphia, that we have a Chinatown. And I would take the train over there and just buy $10 VCDs of all these things yeah, yeah, and, and, and watch them. And those things are mostly in the trash these days because almost all of those things have upgraded to some extent. There's still some, some things floating around that I'm wondering what's going on. But when Cauldron started, we announced our first title right before COVID locked everything down. And we had been discussing licensing a bunch of hong kong movies that just went to shit because they all closed down during during covid you know i kept hearing you know we're not working right now or you know that the negative negative to that is in a lab in beijing and nobody is there because of covid so we just kind of started moving in another direction And when we came out of that, everything was, everything was being snapped up. You know, everything was just like, oh, so sorry. That's gone now. Wow. So we, we kind of missed, there was a weird window there that we, that we missed out on. But, but again, there's so much Hong Kong stuff. Uh, although I, I'm sure there, there are things that are lost to time as well I, I i have to imagine there's negatives that are gone you know with with the neon eagle that we're doing with jared from um mondo macabro we licensed uh kill butterfly kill from ifd and ifd notoriously had a big fire and lost a lot of their film elements at one point so again a lot of that stuff is just gone yeah that's something I worry about with a lot of these regional horror movies. Although, you know, like what's the one that uh, just got vinegar syndrome, just put it, it's the, uh, the 10, 10, 10 killer. What's, I can't remember the name of it. You know, oh, yeah. terror, 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 killer. Killer. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can't believe that there's like HD source elements for that at this point. So I'm shocked. You know, but like, you, I worry about that with Italian movies big time. Cause a lot of those Italian movies, you, like they're probably in somebody's basement you know like what i know having read charles van's book and just knowing what i know about how those movies were financed i'm like where the el are there elements you know or did they get like we're gonna they'll find them someday they'll be in somebody's safe in their basement or something like that but who just knows around yeah. yeah who knows that's it, one of the i did want to talk about cauldron because it's yeah. um 
you guys are doing great stuff. And oh, you, you. would you would you have launched when you did if you had known COVID was coming? Like, did that help you? Did it hurt you? Or was it just kind of a, a non-entity? You know, it, it was kind of a learning experience. <laughs> and and I think it it changed a little bit of, of what we, you know, we made a long list of things that we would love to put out at some point. And some of those things got snapped up and, you know, every, every week when there's a new announcement, I, I literally cross something off our list. <laughs> it was, it was a long list of things. And, you know, yeah. also things that were like, you know, this is a pipe dream. We'll never, we'll never have this, but we're going to put this on the list anyway. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think COVID changed that much for us, but it, but it was weird because, there were weird things. There was a paper shortage at one point. There was a shortage of cases, which I still hear about from time to time. Um, you know, we were we were just having something replicated, and the replicator was like, "This case you guys like to use is it's expensive. You want to use something else?" And we're like, eh, "Not really. We want to kind of keep it consistent." So. You know, sometimes you just have to eat shit on these things and, and move forward. One of the things we were talking about recently, just between the two of us offline, is we were talking about like the, it's the whole like why no 4K thing. And, you know, because you've dealt you've now dealt with the whole 4K process. And I think that there's a lack of understanding. Well, I perceive this. You tell me what you think. But I think there's a lack of understanding from the fans about how much 4K costs, the risk involved with a 4K release and yeah that's a, that's the, those two points are enough like could you just talk to me a little bit about expanding your catalog into the 4k area and what that i know you yeah. have to give me numbers i don't need you to get specific oh no that's fine okay when when we bought city of the living dead when that be, when that became available to us we initially were going to pass on it because it had so many other releases so we made a decision from day one that that was going to have to be a UHD. There was, there was no doubt. There was no other UHD in the world. The, um, the materials were available to make it. So we were going to do it. And that was also a big learning process. There was, there was so many pieces and steps to putting together that UHD uh, that we hadn't even considered. At the end of the day, I think the product came out amazing. I'm so pleased with it. And it's one of my all-time favorite movies. So I couldn't I couldn't be happier with it. And I'm glad that we put the work into it. I mean, I would have bought that up if anybody else had done it too, obviously. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's things like, all right, we have to do the HDR color grade. Now, do we want to spend the money on the Dolby Vision grade? Now we have to encode this disc. We have to do a different encode and a different color grade for the Blu-ray. Everything's a little different. You know, not, everything's not exactly the same when you're comparing those those two things. And then there comes up to the replication of it, and you know, are we going to include a Blu-ray with the UHD or is it going to be just a UHD? And we have, we have to make 
5,000 UHDs. There's no, there's no other number. That's where it's going to start. Wow. Whereas you can make a, you can make a pressed Blu-ray for a thousand, you can make a thousand copies. Mm-hmm. Now you have to pay for the, for what they call a glass master. Um, which is where you get into whether you know people make a a BDR, you don't have to do that glass master, and you can make a lot less. There there are people that will make a less than a thousand Blu-rays, but it's just not cost effective. There's no reason to do it. Mm-hmm. So making that jump to UHD was not only a lot of expenses of getting that thing made but making more of them. And if they weren't going to sell right away, where are those things going to sit? They're going to sit in my warehouse here taking up room. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's something that room costs money. And after COVID warehouse space just went through the roof because everyone was doing online businesses. So space is a premium too. So there's all these things to consider and we we have not jumped back into UHD just yet, but we have several things that that are coming that we're working on behind the scenes in UHD, and we just haven't we haven't announced them yet or even teased them yet because you know we're just getting those things all ready. There's there's yeah. so much behind the scenes to doing that. You know, I talked to Bill Lustig about the same thing because I wanted his take from the Blue Underground side of things. And he was like, I was shocked. He was like, I was shocked at how much it cost. I was like, excuse me, how much? Um, and then you you don't know. You know, you've got the product, to your point, you've got the product sitting there. You hope it can sell. And then people are going to complain about the price. People are going to yeah. be like, I don't like this art that you chose or whatever. You know, you have the reversible art wraps and all that stuff. But I don't, um, yeah. it feels in some ways like the fans are impossible to please right now. Some people love everything and then some people love nothing. You know, they're like, give me, it's so funny. They'll be like, I want this movie on 4K. And then like years go by and then finally like, hey, it's coming out on 4K. And they're like, I'm going to wait for a sale <laughs> or I'm going to wait till it goes on clearance or something like that. Have you experienced uh, any fan, like, well, I know you have because you, you post about some of it stuff, but just like fans being really hard to please. Like, I feel like there's a sense of entitlements or maybe that's not even the right word, but it just feels very hard to please fans right now. Yeah. I had a guy that complained the other day because he bought the city of the living dead from us when we had the, our initial version was $50 and it came with the UHD two Blu-rays, a CD, a mini poster, and some stickers. And it was $50. So now we have a retail version. And he's like, I would have just waited and bought the retail version for $25 when it was on sale. I was like, okay, what what can I do here? I mean, what what can I do to make you happy here? There's What's your complaint? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you could have just waited. But... I don't think it's ever going to be $25, first of all. But secondly, you can say that about anything. Why don't why don't you just wait then? Why did you buy it day one? I don't I don't understand how to please that guy. Where do you think that erosion of trust comes from? This idea of like like you and I, I mean, we've been in this fandom for a long time. And I like I remember tape trading, right? When you were passing around VHS tapes and you dub tapes to get just get your hands on something and like fans were helping other fans like 
looking at stuff in somebody's trunk, you know, I mean, like, like flea markets, <laughs> you know, you could, you'd have like a connection at the, or I did, I had a connection at the flea market. I'd go out there and he, like, he would have VCDs and stuff like that. And I'd be like, Ooh, like video discs. So like, what do you got? We're in this place right now. And I feel like there's a lack of, I don't know if it's understanding. I don't know what it is, but it's like, there is no recognition of the work and the investment. And it's, it's like, Everybody assumes like, okay, you must have $25 million in your bank account and you're doing this for fun because this is what you want to do. And, uh, you know, what can you do? What have you done for me lately? You know? Yeah. And a, a lack true. of understanding is you're an independent businessman. You are trying, you know, you are, I'm, I'm guessing you are probably looking at your finances every single day and going, how do these things reconcile? Like you talk about the 4k, you're like now's not the time for more 4ks that's coming later. Where's the where's the disconnect? Do you have any idea? You know, I I don't know. They did the studios spoil fandom when they started to. You have a couple of things with with studios. Um, that's weird. You have you have studios doing this thing now where they're releasing something on 4K that they put out on Blu-ray five months ago, like mm-hmm. Megan. And black phone. Yeah. And that's causing some distrust with fans. And I understand that. I don't I don't put that same blame on say Blue Underground for doing that. Like they're working on a death dream 4K right now. And they did a Blu-ray a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. But when they did that Blu-ray there probably wasn't the technology that there is now to cost effectively clean that movie to a state where it would have looked good on UHD. And there was surely doubt in Bill's mind that anybody wanted or was going to pay a premium for a a UHD of, of death dream. But now the market wants it. So I don't blame him for that. I wonder why a studio says, Here's Black Phone coming out on UHD a few months later. Why why do that? That's weird. So, I think part of the problem is that they the studios are the, the departments aren't really working together. You have the theatrical department and then you have the home video department, and there may even be different, you know, the marketing department there too. I think release dates for these things are set before the movie even hits the theater. So oh, surely, yeah. When Megan's coming out, they're like, okay, we don't know how this is gonna do. The uh, you know, financially, let's do a Blu-ray because the risk is smaller with a Blu-ray because it's you know like a quarter of the price or whatever, and then, and, and like that's not great, right? That's not great. I think every yeah. they're, they're probably doing their best, but that's not a great system. And <clears throat> I think the studios being so corporatized over the last few years doesn't help because they're not talking to each other. It doesn't feel necessarily like they're all on the same page, but. Then I look at so like you, to your point, like Arrow's doing it too. Arrow's doing the same thing that Blue Underground's doing. Like like Mallrats comes out on Blu-ray, and then two, I think it was two years. I think it was 2011. Yeah. Mallrats and the Last Starfighter came out, and those just came out on 4K. And I know there's a lot of suspicion with fans about that because they're like they're trying to screw us. Like it probably not. Maybe they are. I don't know. Arrow got bought by a, a big corporation, and they have changed since then. Um, and hey, Fran Simeone left Arrow and went to start Radiance. So there yeah. may be something to that. Who knows? But um, 
I like I talk I've talked to people about this. I talked to Frank Tarzi about this, Bill Lustig, and they're friends, right? So they they're on the same page with stuff and they're like, we were kind of looking around and see like what's the market for this? Like I really think the pandemic and the 4K market, I think the pandemic helped 4K in some weird way because everybody's at home and all these movie collectors like me are like well, I'm just watching stuff all day, right? I'm just like, you know, buying new releases. And I think it really helped it. But it was an untapped market. I know there's a lot of suspicion from fans about the idea of like double dipping. Um, but to your point, like who knew? Who knew yeah. that this is what it was going to turn into? And you're on the other side. That's why I wanted your perspective on that from a, both from a retailer and from a uh, label, you know, a, a, a label co-founder, co you know, um, where, where do you think 4k is like 12% of the market right now on, on a good day, you know, it kind of goes oh. up and down when, when avatar is not coming out, it's about 12%. <laughs> um, do you think it's going to continue to grow or do you think that, uh, this is kind of, this is as good as it's going to get, you know, I'm uncertain. I, I really am. I, I like 4k and, you know, I have a nice TV. And I kind of have to, though. It's it's my job. So I understand that everybody can't have an, a nice TV and a nice setup. And and if you don't, Blu-ray plays great. Yeah. Blu-ray, the, the jump between DVD and Blu-ray was a lot more severe than the jump between Blu-ray and 4K. Yeah. And, and also the... The, this jump between Blu-ray and 4K is not only a, not as severe, but sometimes they don't really look that much better. Yeah, it de it depends on on the work behind them. What do you? Th I I'd like to get your opinion on 4K from the label co-founder perspective because there are people that have said to me. 4K is a gimmick. It's not real. There is no difference between a 4K and a Blu-ray. Can you speak to that? Do you see a difference? There's definitely a difference. Yeah. There, but, but again, it, it's going to depend on your player and the setup. If you're and, and the disc, you know, I, a nice disc that has had a really good HDR grade or or Dolby Vision, it's going to look fantastic on your TV. And the sound is kind of unbeatable. They're bigger discs, so you can let the movie breathe a little bit more, and doesn't have to be as compressed. You know, there there is a lot there. I don't, I don't think it's a gimmick, but you know, I prefer if I'm buying something for myself, I'm gonna buy either it's gonna be a Blu-ray or it's gonna be a combo pack. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna want both. I very rarely buy something that's just a UHD and nothing else in the package. Because also I have you know, my, my, my really good player is at is at home. And then I have different equipment in my office. So, you know, depending on where I'm going to be watching something is also going to be depending on which format I'm going to watch. Yeah. So, you know, I have, I have a weird situation. You know, it, it's a it, it's a bad situation. It's a good situation for somebody to have, but 
it, it is a little odd. You know, I, I have different setups depending on where I am. Do you have a big screening room there at the at the office? Do you have like a big a huge screen? I don't have I have a I have a TV here, but it but it's a good size TV. I don't have a projector. Gotcha. Yeah. You I should like do that. Projector. Put in the theater nice. seat. <laughs> yeah. It would if be those four right? K's would sell, you could you could put that in. You could build that in. <laughs> well, you know, I sat up there the other day and I was looking for something to watch, and I ended up watching um drive with with ryan gosling and i've seen the movie a bunch of times it's that's second sight uhd is it's stunning it looks amazing and does it look remarkably better than the blu-ray yeah i thought it did you know that that neon soaked la in that movie the color tones and um the the sound is just amazing on that on that disc yeah so that you know that's one 100 i would buy that on uhd all day long yeah i i like your answer though that it just depends on the disc because like that's that's what it comes down to there's great ones there's some 4ks that look worse than the blu-ray oh yeah i don't know i don't think i should name them that's probably not good for <laughs> them. but like we I can like to play nice so i don't usually name things out loud but yeah well, so here's one of the things that I want to, and and you can, I'm not, I'm trying not to put you on the spot with some of this stuff, but that's all right. With everything that's going on with the boutique labels right now, I mean, you've seen a lot of things come and go. Uh, you've seen labels come and go. Uh, is there a secret to success? Is there a, there are some companies that when they, and, and again, we're, we're bringing nice, so I'm not going to name any, but because we don't want to burn bridges. But when when you see them operating, you're like, that's not going to last. They're, that's not built for success. They're not customer forward. They're relying on gimmicks instead of uh, delivering the goods. It's like, it's all hype and no substance. Um, is there a secret to success when you see these labels that you're like, they're doing it right, you know, like a... Cauldron is doing it right, by the way. I want to point that out. Like, Thank I love you. what you guys are doing. And, but it's because you're a collector and it's also like you have the retailer perspective, but you also, you have the film knowledge, you know, you have the encyclopedic film knowledge, but you also have like, you know, what people want. So those discs are loaded. They've got great art. They've got great supplements. And you are super engaged on social media with people. Like, when people ask a question, I see you answer. So, is there a secret to being a great boutique label? I don't know the answer to that. I, you know, we're a couple of years into it and we, we certainly at Cauldron have some faults and things that we're working on ironing out and maybe getting things to market a little quicker, but there's also the two of us, you know, it's, yeah. it's me and a partner. So and we do our best. And, uh, I think our work, I think our work is good. So you know, if people want to complain that you know, we run a little late on things or we're slow on announcing things, yeah, that's that's fine. I don't have I don't have 45 people here working. And that's not a dig at vinegar syndrome because you know they have a huge operation over there now. Yeah. But I remember when it was a couple guys. So, you know, right now it, we're just a couple of guys doing doing what we're doing. So I, I don't know that I know that secret yet. Do you want 45 people? Do you want to be that big or do you like where you're at? No, I don't. I don't ever want 45 people. <laughs> I, 
you know, I do, I do a long day's worth of work here. I work, you know, I, during COVID, I worked for, I worked for seven days a week, that entire time during COVID. I never took a day off. Wow. And I was lucky because I was running things out of my house at the time. And I had had a garage built on my property for that purpose right before all this. So it, I was fortunate during that whole thing, but I, I worked my ass off and, you know, I put a long day of work in here, but, but we do have employees now when you know, I've off put a work on them, which is, which is beautiful. I love it um, because I was killing myself, but you know, I, I genuinely like the job here. I like what I'm doing. I like the business. I like to think that, um, you know, that we're part of this big community with all these other labels doing our thing. Um, so, so back to your secret of success. I, yeah, I don't know it all yet, but, but definitely one is, is having a face behind these things. You know, if people know you, then, you know, they're more likely to shop with you. They're more likely to, mm-hmm. um, you know, give you a little bit of lenience when things go wrong. Like we just had UPS lost um, all of our posters for the current Cauldron releases. So not only did we have to wait to make sure that they couldn't find them, which they never did. Uh, we had to pay to have new ones made. We had to wait until those were done. We have to ship those to the replicator. It's a shit show. That that whole thing. But, you know, it's really out of our hands. I mean, what am I going to do about it? Right. So, you know, these things happen. That's crazy. Uh, let's throw some shade on UPS for a second because that's a terrible <laughs> story. I will tell you one of my own stories. So my wife, when I got married, or yeah, when I got married to my wife, we had she had an heirloom. It was her grandmother's wedding ring that we were going to use for hers, and like they sent it away to like reset the stone, and they used UPS, and UPS lost the wedding ring, and it never showed back up. So it was an heirloom wedding ring yeah. that got lost, and it was like crazy, crazy stuff happens. What do you do? You know, you can't get yeah. mad at anybody. It's just like things happen. I hate that that happened to you though. That's that's really it's awful. That sounds like a big setback. You know, we had the other day we were waiting for our shipment of It Follows coming from the UK. It was a huge shipment of boxes. And the UPS guy comes and he's like, hey, dude, sorry. I couldn't fit all those boxes on my truck because of my normal delivery. So another guy's going to bring them over a little later. I said, yeah, okay. Now, my normal, my normal crew of people that deliver to us and pick up from us here are amazing. These guys go out of their way. I've had guys go back to the warehouse and bring stuff back to me that was missed. Amazing. So I'm sitting here. It's 10 after five. Everybody else is left but me, but I'm always the last person to go. And it's like, wait a second. Those packages never came. What the hell? So I track them and it literally says it, 505 business closed delivered next business day i'm sitting here yeah so and it, and it's it's that time so i ran out 
there's no UPS truck out here. So I was like, well, shit, I guess they're coming tomorrow, which screwed my whole day because I had some extra help coming in. And, you know, it it's still the end of summer and people have days off and people have kids and the first day of school, New Jersey starts really late. Um, so I'm still sitting here working and the doorbell rings at six o'clock and it's a UPS truck. <laughs> so I go out there and I was like, what is going on here, dude? He's like, I have all these boxes for you. So we had to unload all those boxes, which took a half hour. Wow. And I said, you know, this was literally tagged business closed an hour ago. He said, dude, no one came. No one, no one tried to deliver those things. That guy probably wanted to go home and just said that and went back to the warehouse. And this, and this was a lot of stuff. So I was already sweating like this stuff better show up. And then, you know, at six o'clock, who's expecting a business to be here still? It's crazy. Yeah. But that's that that depth of customer service we see in a lot of areas. And it's what makes people like you stand out because customer service is still there. Even when you have to deal with the trolls and the people that are just complaining about everything. But you are still face forward. And you're right. You're the face of the company. Like that's a connection that people draw. And it's good. It's good for you. And it's good for what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, even when I have to deliver news that I don't like to a customer, I I still I still deliver that news. You know, yeah. I, I feel like when you call anybody else for customer service, they're either going to give you an answer to get you off the phone that's bullshit, or mm -hmm. they're going to transfer you to somebody else and then transfer you to somebody else. And you're eventually going to end up in voicemail and never hear back from that person. Like, I, I had something else going on with UPS right now. And I, I literally have a tally on my desk here of I, I've sp spoken to 13 people about the same issue and still have not gotten an answer. And they told me the last, the last answer I got was that somebody from the, a representative from the local warehouse would stop by today. I was like, no, I don't believe you for one second. Nobody's mm -hmm. coming here. No. Nobody. I said, well, they'll, they said, oh, they'll at least call. I was like, they'll, they won't. I'll never hear from I'll be calling you back tomorrow. Yeah. They're just trying to you'll get be, you to, get you off the phone. Yeah. You'll be person 14 when I talk to you tomorrow again. That sucks. Wasn't it just like yeah. a month ago that the, that Bruce Lee box set was getting all banged up and shipping. Wasn't that about, that was recently. Terrible. Yeah. You know, I, I have a theory of the Bruce Lee box set, which is, um, and again, not to throw any shade on Arrow because I, I genuinely like Arrow and I don't have a ton of problems with their stuff, but I think the, the contents of the Bruce Lee set were too heavy for the grade of cardboard that the box was made with. So when that thing got thrown around in shipment, they just got damaged. Mm -hmm. You know, they were, they were so heavy that it's always what was going to happen to that. And I don't, I actually don't think the answer was, I think the answer was maybe that should have been two sets or packaged differently or something, something different. You know, the, the Shaw brothers set, the I can't even remember if the first one yeah the first one was 
in its own package. They they put a box around the box. In my shaw scope, those big wide yeah. ones. Yeah. So it came, it came in a pre-packaged box, which which caused a dilemma on its own, which was do I want to open every one of these and see if they're damaged inside before I ship them out? And then the 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 next dilemma was these are these boxes are okay to ship in. Do I want to put them in another box? And then the um the third thing was they took up so much room because they were in boxes and then another box. Yeah. <laughs> but but we had less problems with those than we did with the Bruce Lee and we sold more of the Shaw scope. So that was, yeah, you know, I think that, I think that packaging and packaging to the distributors is an ongoing thing with all of these people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's constantly changing. We endure and we adapt. We'll see what happens. (laughs) I'm going to down. We did. Yeah. Yeah. I want to wind down with you, but like, is there anything that we should have talked about that we didn't talk about? Anything you want to promote? Anything you want to like? Definitely, we'll hit your social media and stuff, your website yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. But like, is there anything that we should be talking about that I didn't bring up? We at Cauldron are really excited on. We're working on the House of Doom set, which is four Italian TV movies that were made for TV in Italy, and then they thought they were too gory, and two of them are directed by Fulci. And two of them are directed by Umberto Lenzi. And in the U.S., we only ever got the Fulci ones on DVD. There was never a Blu-ray. And all four of them have never been on Blu-ray anywhere. So we have all four of them coming on Blu-ray. It's going to be a box set. We have soundtracks. We have tons of extras that we're working on. It's going to be great. It's a good element. They're TV movies. Do they come from film, film elements? They are. They were shot on film. And... I don't think that the negatives had ever been scanned. They were in really good condition. You know, that's wow. that's something that we get into here and there where things that have come out in the past before and they need new masters, they just keep scanning these things and running them through equipment. And then they come and they're dirty and scratchy. But sometimes these things have just been sitting around. No one's touched them and they come in really nice condition. So they're going to be a revelation. And they're super gory for TV movies, which is why they <laughs> never really did anything. So that is, those are kind of known that we're working on, but it is uh-huh. going to be the thing that we're focusing on next. Okay, gotcha. DiabolicDVD.com. We should spell it for people that don't. There's going to be some people yes. that watch this that, that do not know. <laughs> D-I-A-B-O-L-I-K-DVD.com. Where else do people look for you? You know, we're on social media, um, really pretty much everywhere, but TikTok, which I can't figure out. And we're at Cauldron Films. It's cauldron-films.com. And and they're all on social media. If you follow us on Twitter and go into our profile, there's a a link tree of everything that's diabolic and everything that's cauldron in one big list. So, you know, really, if you find us anywhere on social media, that link tree should be there and, and you'll find us. That's great. Stick around. I'm going to wrap up with you after we finish the recording, but I want to thank you so much for yeah, taking thanks. the time that was fun. to talk to me. Yeah, this was great. This is a blast. And I'll put all the links for everybody listening to this or watching this. I'm going to put all the links in the description of this. So you can just click straight down. Oh, right. Uh, great. On. Will be. So thank you, Jesse. I'll send you really the link tree and then we'll, we'll do that. 
Super. When you hear conversations like this, you know, I hope that you feel like I, I tend to have a feeling of gratitude. And sometimes people take me to task for my sense of gratitude. They're like, you're too grateful. <laughs> Which is a weird thing. To it's a weird thing to tell somebody. You're too grateful. Um, yeah, we have more than we can buy. We have more than we can get to. That can lead to burnout. That can lead to being overwhelmed. It's more than we can get to. We do have to pick and choose. But guys, we have more choice, more freedom of choice. Let's let's put it that way because that's, that's what it is. More freedom of choice than any film fandom ever, ever. We don't even have to go to like, you know, some B theater and, you know, 42nd Street. Like, it's in our house. Like, we have this stuff with the best restorations and commentaries from the directors and reversible art wraps and, you know, like, deleted scenes. And, like, the, who could ever have imagined? You know, when DVD first started to... Uh, started with Laserdisc, like, the conversation enforces all of this. Started with Laserdisc, but DVD, it really took off. Who would have imagined that all these years later we'd be here at this moment with our wildest dreams coming true? Some people choose to complain. I choose to have gratitude. Yeah, it gets overwhelming sometimes, but let's take a step back. When that happens, take a step back, pump the brakes, and say, what, am I, what is it that I'm connecting with here? Lean into that. Go into that direction. Guys, uh, thanks for watching, listening to this podcast episode. I appreciate your support. I appreciate you being so uh, hands-on with us, for, for sharing it with people, for subscribing uh, for leaving comments or leaving reviews, that's what gets the word out there. I've said it to you so many times before. You know it, but it's true. There's no substitute for engagement. Uh, there's no substitute for you. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to be back here really soon with something that is also really exciting. I can't wait for you to hear it. Uh, take care. Till next time, I will catch you later.